Hello and a warm welcome to this latest episode in the Project Edward 2022 podcast series, which we've called Are We There Yet? My name's James Luckhurst. This week it's curtain up on our plans for 2022. That's right, a sneak preview of the road trips, webinars and other events taking place all over the UK between the 19th and 25th of September. And in the process, there'll be an opportunity to meet a few members of the team and find out about their roles in planning and delivering the most comprehensive Project Edward week of action to date. But before the big reveal, we're focusing on an important road safety trend that's been emerging and growing in recent years. The topic is older drivers. Here's some background. There are now 1.5 million drivers aged over 80. That's a 47% increase over the last 10 years. 5.7 million drivers aged over 70 still have licenses. And the number of people aged 100 or more who still have a driving license has more than trebled in the same time. Now there are more than 500. The oldest person with a license is 108. Two others are not far behind at 107. Now, once drivers reach 70, they have to renew their license every three years by completing a self-assessment form about their health. Note the inclusion of self-assessment. No need for any checks, retests, eyesight appointments or medical examinations. We rely on our own common sense and responsibility. A report by the Older Drivers Task Force recommended that the renewal age be increased to 75, provided a mandatory eye test was included. But don't hold your breath as we're not aware of any imminent policy changes. Now, when it comes to whether to keep driving, whether to stop, what other forms of transport you could take? Well, a big problem for many friends and family members is that difficult conversation you may need to have with someone you know is less safe as a driver than they used to be. Of course, it's just one part of the equation which needs to address how to ensure people are as safe as possible for as long as possible on their road journeys. Gem Motoring Assist, who's a Project Edwards supporter, launched its Still Safe to Drive website a few years ago. And if you want an example of how not to have that conversation, then just listen to this clip we were allowed to record with David Perriam, who was concerned about the safety of his father, Bill, who at 83 was still making regular use of his car. So if you give up driving your car and you can't drive a motorbike, how do you think you get around? Well, it should be dependent upon other people, I expect. You get a um, senior citizen's Or have a bus taxi, pass. one thing or the other. You can get a free bus pass, can't you? I expect so, yes. But you'd have to get to the bus stop, and that's a mile away, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, you'd be reliant on me, really, wouldn't you, most of the time, I expect? More or less, I imagine, yes. Yeah. You still think, within yourself, you're all right for another two or three years? I'm hopeful that I should be driving until I'm 90, if I live that long. That's another seven years. Easy, yeah. Well, Mr Barnes was driving when he was 90, but he kept driving into things. Well, he wasn't very safe. <laughs> so, so if I was to say to you, I think the time's come when you're not safe to drive anymore, would you listen to me or would you ignore me? Well, I would assess the situation and probably get expert opinion. What, from somebody else? Well, from the medical profession or whoever. Or some expert in the field of driving. But you wouldn't listen to me, OK, would you? Well, I'd listen to you, but I should... Weigh Ignore up the us. options myself and then proceed accordingly. You do what you wanted? Well, not necessarily, no. It would be a joint agreement. But if we were to say you should stop driving, obviously we'd be doing it because we felt it was for your good because we didn't want you to have an accident or you to have an accident that could hurt somebody else. Everything comes to the end in, in its own time. 
So we just have to wait and see. But you reckon you're still okay at the moment? At the moment, yes. Well, if ever there was a way to have a sensitive conversation about older driver safety, that surely was not it. David Perriam and his father, Bill, who at the time of that recording was 83. Well, he's he's 92 now. Pleased to say he's in reasonable health, but he has now hung up the keys to his rather battered and scratched Mazda 2. Thank you, Bill. So how do you show proper empathy and understanding while still ensuring you put safety first? Check out the Still Safe to Drive website for some rather better examples than that. It's presented by Valerie Singleton OBE, who's 85 years old and, by the way, has just bought herself a smart new Ford Fiesta. Well, we were in Gloucestershire recently at a community event hosted by the police, but involving around 16 groups with an interest in safer senior driving. I think in modern corporate language, they'd be called stakeholders. I first caught up with the police officer leading the county's older driver safety initiative, which is meant to become a template for good practice nationwide. Superintendent Paul Keesey, I'm the Director of Specialist Operations in Gloucester Constabulary, and today we've just held a really successful Older Drivers Symposium. When you look at the actual demographics of Gloucestershire, you'll see that proportionally we have an increase in older drivers across the whole of the county. These drivers make a disproportionate number of people who tragically are involved in killed and serious injury uh, road traffic collisions. It is important for us as a constabulary and as an OPCC to get ahead of this issue and to actually start making a difference through hopefully through behaviour change and procedural justice to influence how drivers uh, act on the roads and to create that safer environment for everybody who uses our road network. Shouldn't police be talking more about enforcement rather than behavioural change and procedural justice? No, I think enforcement is an aspect that we, we don't shy away from, but ultimately most people do not do this for a negative reason. They, they think they are either great drivers or good drivers, and occasionally, you know, we are human, we make mistakes. Ultimately, our vision is to create a safe and enjoyable road use for all for longer. We want people to utilise our roads, to, to go and visit family members, to go to places and visit and to enjoy their lives, but do it in a safe environment and arrive at those locations in the same condition they were when they left. What we've done over the last few months is try to gather a number of notable practice initiatives because we're not here to reinvent the wheel. What we're there to do is improve our service to the public and to utilise that great experience that already exists. That's why today's event was very much based in the community. We had over 16 different organisations represented. We also had additional people from academia who provided a wealth of knowledge in regards to both their experience, their professional judgment, but also initiatives that we should be tackling to prevent future incidents occurring. And this is really important to me. How we use things such as uh, case studies, informed positions regarding different organisations, but also data. Data to inform us how we should approach certain situations to create that evidence-informed position regarding a number of proof concepts we're looking to deliver over the next few years. You've addressed the room. Have you sensed that the solution can be found in the room? Who's in the room and, and how can they help? I've got to say, James, uh, the enthusiasm, the, 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 the nature of the comments, the way people got involved, the way they wanted to make a difference was empowering. 
it was such a delight to hear. I, I, I never expected it, if I'm, if I'm honest, but I'm totally enthused. And I, I, want to, I want them to be part of this journey and celebrating successes moving forward, rather than it being down to one organisation or one individual. I want that collective group of, of delivery in relation to it. That was Superintendent Paul Kesey. And it was good to see how well Paul was supported at the event. I'm Nick Evans. I'm the Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner for Gloucestershire. It's fantastic that we've built this community here around the Older Drivers Symposium. There was a bucket load of enthusiasm for the work that the constabulary are uh, already setting off. And I think that by properly working together in partnership, we can make something that's sort of greater than the sum of its parts and have a, a really big impact on reducing deaths and serious injuries on our roads in the county. Give me a background. How high on your list of things to do is road safety and how high... Within that list are older drivers. Older drivers are particularly important in Gloucestershire because we have a, uh, an ageing population and uh, there is a, a much a higher degree of, uh, of older people in the county than elsewhere in the country. So as the population does age, we're going to be almost at the tip of the spear of sort of addressing some of the issues that uh, an older population and older drivers create. So that's why this work here today is, has been so important to uh, get ahead of the game, identify the things that we want to do as a community to make sure that uh, people who are older can continue to drive safely, or if they're not able to drive safely, then have the ability to still maintain their independence, which I think is also really important. Nick Evans, Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner for Gloucestershire. Of course, putting together the activity across the county requires a lot of coordination, with passion and commitment too, as we'll hear now. My name's Nigel Lloyd-Jones, I'm co-lead of the Older Driver Forum for Gloucestershire. Oh, it's been an amazing morning, I mean we've brought together so many different people from so many different backgrounds and expertise to really focus on one issue, older driver safety, and Paul Kesey has, has um, revealed to us all the hard work that Constabulary have been doing to create a, a really fresh new strategic approach to older driver safety. If you could do one thing tomorrow that would help, what would you do just as a short-term fix? The most important thing is around the issues of family conversations. Ultimately, everything around the, the older driver, there are so many social taboos, so it's about educating families, about having those difficult conversations and providing them with guidance on how to do that. My sister and I um, founded the Older Driver Forum in Gloucestershire as a positive legacy from the death of our mother. So she died as a result of a pedal confusion um, accident uh, in a vehicle driven by our stepfather. Now we as a family really didn't know how to approach the issue. We'd had great concerns about our stepfather um, but we simply didn't know how to address it. It was only subsequently, uh, after our mother's death, we discovered the Old Driver Forum and all the rich information there, and that's why we decided to found a, a forum in Gloucestershire to help spread that message. Nigel Lloyd-Jones from the Gloucestershire Older Drivers Forum. Also attending the event was Rob Hurd, who founded and chairs the National Older Drivers Forum. He's busy spearheading all kinds of initiatives designed to reduce risk and provide a safer, more enjoyable experience for older drivers. I asked him what he made of the Gloucestershire event. 
we're all going to be older drivers sometimes, so it's about making sure that we can find ways to help and support them. And I'm really pleased to see that Gloucestershire has taken the forefront nationally on this. Two things that came out for me were, I think, the role of technology um, as a support, not, not, a, not a crutch. And the other thing is the important role that families can play. Let's, let's focus to perhaps a few moments on how important technology is and how it's so important for older drivers to, to know more about it and how it can help them. Yeah, what we might want to do is make sure that people are very much aware of how to use that technology, what to do with it properly, so it can help and support them. Because there's lots of good stuff out there that lots of people just don't know how to use properly. And it's about informing them and giving them the help and support to do that. And that's where I think today, that's one of the things we're going to look at in one of our strands is how technology, how the use of digital work that's out there can actually drive forwards the support to give to older road users. Secondly then families, let's just reflect on the difficulties that relatives face in having that difficult conversation. Three tips for preparing yourself for a tricky conversation with an older driving relative. If you are coming up and having that difficult conversation with an older uh, driver, maybe a family you're your, your father, your mother, maybe a next door neighbor, somebody you're concerned about, a friend. You know, the most important thing to say to yourself is don't not do something about it. Actually do something about it. Have that conversation with them. It may be difficult, but the worst thing you want to do is actually regret not having that conversation when something tragically might happen in the future. So address the situation. Now, what you want to do is make sure you've got all the information and all the facts so that you can advise them and support them. So some of the things you can do, you can visit our website at the moment, olderdriversforum.com. On there, we've got a huge number of series of videos about engaging and talking to people about these difficult subjects. We've done some with Valerie Singleton, really nice series of videos there to help and support people. So we'd recommend you have that. That's a great way to prepare about having that conversation. Then maybe look at what things you can practically do to keep them safe on the road. So you can look at encouraging them to think about an older driver assessment. Now, if they've got medical conditions, and we'd recommend a driving mobility centre, if it's just a brush up on their skills, then there's very many organisations, council-led ones, IAM schemes, ROSPA schemes, all who do those confidence building assessments. And what we'd say to people is, those are a great way to identify and not become complacent about your driving. And there's lots of videos we have on our website as well, which can show people that actually they're really beneficial about brushing up those bad habits. The other thing we need to do is encourage them to have a regular eyesight test every two years up to 70, every year after 70. Great way of picking up medical conditions early so they can be treated, but also is a great way of actually making sure that they can see the hazards and be able to react to them. So those are keen things. The other thing is maybe have a look around their vehicle. Have you identified some new scratches, bumps and things? Have you had that conversation with them, how that happened? Have you discussed with them how their mobility is getting in and out of the vehicle? Have you discussed with them what problems they actually have? Get them to gain, engage and get them to think about it themselves because they've probably already started thinking about it themselves but actually don't know where to get that help and support. And that's where vitally you as a family or friend can come along and give them that help and support to overcome those. But prepare, there's lots of information on our website to help people with that and we're going to be developing that to help people in the future as well. Rob Hurd, who chairs the Older Drivers Forum, with some sound advice at the end of our visit to the community event held at the Sabrina Centre in Gloucestershire, where the focus was on older drivers. 
Okay, drum roll, the wait is over. I promised some exciting information relating to the 2022 Project Edward Week of Action, so let's get on with it. But rather than me droning on, I'm handing over now to a far more experienced podcast presenter, none other than the creator of the 5-Minute Theory Test podcast and the instructor podcast, Mr. Terry Cook. Thanks, James. And we've got a very busy virtual studio because I'm joined by some wonderful humans in Darren Lindsay, Neil and smith and Simon Turner. And my first task is to find out a little bit about each of them. So let's start with you, Darren. Do you want to tell us something interesting about yourself? Firstly, on a professional note, I'm an engineer who's passionate about safe and sustainable transport. It's, it's a fact I can back up with my 25 years plus in the private sector with Michelin. Um, I'm also currently serving as a trustee and a director of the Eastern Alliance for Safe and Sustainable Transport, East and Road Safe. And believe it or not, in my spare time, I really do enjoy helping the World Rescue Organization help to promote their challenge. In terms of some fun and interesting bits, I'm a product from the north of the border, but with English parents. And I have a 16-year-old daughter and a 20-year-old son who has recently passed his theory test. That is something we could talk about all afternoon, I'm sure. A man of many talents. And uh, the thing we're looking at today is the week of action, this year's week of action. So what are you hoping to achieve from this year's week of action? Well, I would say the first thing is that I would really hope we get a lot of meaningful engagement that helps showcase the best practice in road safety. And I mean that across the UK and a little teaser here and beyond, I hope. Um, so it's really about the engagement, the multiple or different stakeholders. That's across the public, the private and the NGOs and academia. And really, for me, it's, it's about forming new partnerships and presenting the opportunity to promote more collaboration across the different sectors involved. But if you wanted to know a little bit more, a quick overview about what Edward is, um, this year the theme is Changing Minds, Changing Behaviour. The dates is the 19th to 25th of September. That'll be the week of action. And what's new for this year is we're going to be focusing on powered two-wheelers, um, in particular over the weekend. So that's something new that we're introducing this year. Um, back at the start of what you said there, you mentioned engagement and, and speaking from personal experience, I know how hard it is to drum up engagement and support for when we're doing this sort of stuff. How hard have you found it to drum up interest and support for for the, the week of action, for Project Edward? Do, do you know, I'll be totally honest with you. I said at the start there we have engagement from different sectors. Um, having come from the private sector, I, I'd like to think I, I understand better how to engage with them. It's not been easy, I do have to say that. But, you know, the, the reassuring thing that most people know who Edward are, which over a five-year period kind of shows the sort of reach it's managed to achieve. So I would say from that front, I think we have a very good brand in terms of um, a campaign that's able to promote road safety. So, so that side has helped. It always helps to have a good brand in terms of getting that engagement. I would also say that from the public sector, we've had tremendous support. We really have. And I think just year on year, it just increases. I don't think there's anybody that's refused any requests we've put to them in terms of can they help. And, and the point we try and emphasise, this isn't about our event. It's about them campaigning. It's about them showcasing best practice in their area. And what we mean by areas in their cities. 
And, and what Edward wants to do, it wants to be there to sort of capture this best practice and, and sort of showcase it because there's, there's many cities around the country who are probably being asked similar questions by their employees. We should do this. We should invest in that. But they haven't got any small nudges or evidence to promote that. So for me, the one thing I would like to see Edward sort of do is, is promote some of these small nudges so that some cities sit up, listen to what's being done elsewhere and maybe try and replicate it to some degree. But uh, I would say that the engagement side, it's not easy. You've got to keep trying and you'll see this from the, the other gents here on, on the call here today. We're working as hard as we can and if we can find any more support out there, we'd love to know. Awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks for that, Darren. Let's move over to Simon Turner. So Simon, do you want to tell us something interesting about yourself? So my, my day job is uh, I'm the campaign manager for something called Driving for Better Business, which is focused around fleet driver safety. Uh, and it's something that I came to through quite a, uh, an odd route. I've been doing that for uh, about 15 years now running a, uh, a business driver safety campaign for, for national highways but in my younger days I did a lot of uh, car racing and a lot of advanced driver training uh, which I got from some quite interesting people. I was taught to race on tarmac by a two-time British touring car champion, um, on gravel by a British national rally champion and snow and ice by a Swedish world rally star and I was also taught to drift by Top Gear presenter Chris Harris which was an interesting experience but the thing that brings all that together and what, what I kind of learned from that was that you just can't demonstrate any of those skills on the road. You've got to leave all of that kind of stuff um, on the on the track. And as I got older, what I realised was there's actually far more pleasure to be gained from driving smoothly and safely and anticipating the actions of others on the road. So I found it a really interesting journey going from that in my younger days to to what we do now, where we're showcasing. You know, good practice in road safety across the country. I might have to come to you for a few lessons, I think. Um, but, but this is your third week of action, and it's definitely the biggest so far. So just looking back on last year, what did you learn from last year's week of action? Well, firstly, we did last year's in electric cars. The road trip was in electric cars, which was the first time we'd done that. And while they were you know, very quiet, smooth and comfortable, the, the thing that I did realise most was that I don't enjoy having to eat every meal in a motorway service station while they were charging. Um, but they, you know, they were very good and they had all this safety kit on them. They were, it was a real education driving them. But the thing that I think that I was really staggered about last year was everybody's enthusiasm that we met on the road trip for both Project Edward and the projects that they'd all invested time and effort uh, into the, the projects that we were showcasing during the week and also the quality of those projects because you know there was a lot of thought gone into them there was um, a lot of evidence behind them the ones we were showcasing have been really well thought through the results have been analyzed uh, and the projects that have been been improved where where they could so it, it was a really um, sort of fulfilling experience going around meeting all these people and seeing what good work they were doing cool. bringing the focus from last year to this year what's your big focus in preparing for uh, this september's activity <clears throat> Uh, well, I'm not going on the road trip this year. What I'm focused on this year is uh, 
working on the website and the content, making sure we've got some really good stuff to share uh, with the audience. Uh, as Dar Darren mentioned, the daily broadcasts, so I'm doing a lot of work into those as well. Um, uh, plus a series of webinars that we're going to be running throughout the week as well uh, with some of our partners around the key issues and the themes that we've we've selected for each day's event. So that's going to be really, uh, really interesting project to work on. I'm also looking at creating far more resources for all of our partners to use and share. Um, you know, as you said, last year was really successful, especially in terms of the online coverage and the social media reach that we achieved. So it's going to be a really tough target to beat that this year, but that's something we're certainly going to try uh, to do. And I'm going to be working very hard on that. So that's Simon. And for anyone listening, make sure you go and check the website out there is some awesome content over there and you can find a link for that in the show notes so let's move over to neil now neil juice and smith do you want to kick off by telling us something interesting about yourself hi terry um yeah um i live um in rural cheshire um loads of countryside around me and wildlife so it sort of stands to reason that i'm quite a keen photographer and i'm out doing photography uh wildlife and landscapes and what better than walking my labrador um uh, with me um who is my little shadow uh, most of the time when i'm out and about professionally on the other side of things i'm a retired police sergeant in february uh 2021 and that's the angle that that brought my um road safety interests to the front and have carried on into retirement and that's um, why I've been here uh, with Pro Project Edward for a number of years now. Excellent. And, and you're responsible for the social media. So what's the main value of things like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn? I think for Project Edward, we've worked really hard to build a strong community on our social media channels, and that allows us to share messages with the people who already follow us. And some would say, "Well, all right, that's fine, but you're preaching to the converted um, because they're already they're already following you." But that it's it's bigger than that because every follower gets new followers and different conversations going on and increasing and changing all the time. And so, we're the value that we get is that we're putting our message out. Um, way further and much further beyond um, than just the road trips. We're getting it out there to a, a much wider audience and that's the value that it brings because it gives Project a, um, a global platform. And there is a lot of value on those Project Edward Media channels so make sure you're checking them out. But the theme for this year is changing minds, changing behaviours. So how can social media contribute to that theme? I've always thought that in that side of things that changing minds and changing behaviours and, and, and social media is that it's it's one strand of a whole number of strands of how we have to sort of challenge the road safety issues that we face across the UK and globally, if, if you like. Um, but it allows us to have conversations. We can reach out to people. And sometimes we're reaching out to those people who are sometimes other, otherwise would be quite hard to reach, quite difficult to reach. There's an awful lot of people who are digital natives now. They, they do everything on social and online. Um, and so we've got an opportunity to start that conversation to help people understand why we're going on about this road safety issue and we keep bashing on about it and bashing on we help people understand why we're so passionate about that certain subject or that that particular topic um, and hopefully then we can change minds and help people to understand why they need to change their behavior well look thank you very much um, i'm interrupting here because i think we need to find out a couple of things about terry since you've been the grand inquisitor for the past 10 minutes so terry Cook, tell us a couple of interesting things about you before we sign off. 
I'm going to give you the the fact that I know that you like most about me, James, and that is that um, on one of my driving tests, I got in the wrong car. So way back 20 years ago when I learned to drive, I got in the wrong car. And uh, you'll be surprised to know, didn't pass on that occasion. Did somehow manage to pass the eyesight check, though. Terry, thank you. Um, And by the way, from all of us, welcome to the Project Edward team. And since you're so much more experienced in the old podcast trade than I am, I think you should wrap up this episode for us, please. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and that does bring things to a close for this week. Uh, Make sure that you're checking out the website, as I mentioned before. It's regularly updated. It's got lots of useful information and leaks, and links even. Also, do make sure you're telling all your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Get them to download it, get them to subscribe, and I'm sure they will enjoy it. Now, next week's episode has something of a tartan theme as we explore the latest road safety work taking place in Scotland, as we'll be joined by Chief Superintendent Louise Blakelock of Police Scotland and by Michael McDonnell from Road Safety Scotland. But that is all for this week. So from James, Darren, Neil, Simon and myself, it's thanks for now, thanks for listening and make sure you click subscribe. Subscribe.